got something special for you guys today. Uh, my friend and a friend of Rock Hills Church uh, that's been a friend of Rock Hills Church now for a long time, Dale Osink, is going to be joining us. And so I'm going to invite Dale to come on up here. I don't know if he's already back in the back or if he's up here. He's coming up this way. Uh, Dale is uh, um, he, he is one of the leaders in the denomination that we're connected with for our, our covering and, and uh, that helps us as far as a network of churches. And so he's going to kind of share with us today the vision and the heart of the RCA. And so I encourage you guys, give Dale your full attention, and he's got something exciting to share with us today. So if you guys would, let's just join together in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that we have this opportunity today to hear from Dale. I thank you that he's been able to come across the country to join us today. And uh, Lord, we open up our hearts and we open up our minds to whatever you would want to speak to us today. Lord, we welcome you in this place and for this opportunity to grow closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank amen. You. Thanks, Adam. Um, morning, everybody. Uh, it is, it's good to be here. Uh, and it's more than just coming from Nebraska down to San Antonio. Um, because that's where my wife and I live is in Omaha. And uh, you, you know, kind of briefly speaking here, um, I have been an ordained pastor for way too long. Uh, and in one way, shape, or form, I have actually been on a church staff in church ministry since 1977. So I don't know how long that is. Uh, when you get to be this age, you forget most everything. But, um, but I've had the privilege of, of uh, pastoring three different churches. Uh, one was in Oklahoma City, one was in Dallas, and one was in Los Angeles. And for some reason beyond my thinking, uh, folks uh, invited me to become a leader of leaders in churches. So for 18 and a half years, I have worked regionally uh, in coaching pastors and working with church boards and helping churches birth uh, and helping churches die. Um, and it's just been an awesome privilege to see how God works in various contexts uniquely uh, in, in very special ways. And uh, for those of you who have been a part of Rock Hills for a long time, I know Dave, uh, I know Steve, spent a little time with Steve yesterday. Uh, as we kind of surrounded Adam. Uh, I was here when you guys actually commissioned your church plant on that Easter Sunday. Uh, and I remember Dave inviting us to come up and put flowers on the cross uh, to show how God transformed... Stanzi, uh, how are you? Uh, and uh, so, I, you know, even though there's a distance between us, just, just know that uh, my... Uh, my prayers have been for you and with you, and it's great to connect with you today. Uh, so uh, here's, here's what I would see for today. Um, one of my objectives is, is to make Adam look really good and for Stephen to look really good. Uh, so the, the message, pardon me? <laughs> and, and Al to look good, yeah. Um, so that, uh, and Evelyn, by the way, it was great to connect with you today. Um, you know, so uh, God's been doing a great work here. I know that, and I want to celebrate that with you. And so here, here's kind of my objective is to, uh, for, for us together, 
And so I am really speaking from the floor intentionally here because we're together in this. I want to encounter God's word together. And my prayer is that his word will really take root in us, take root in you in, in a way that redirects you, maybe just a little bit, but, but redirects your perspective on your life and how your life unfolds, okay? So that's, that's my objective. And then in addition, as Adam shared, um, we are all part of a family, uh, a supportive network, and we'll, we'll look into that. But on behalf of your family, and Steve McNary was a part of this discernment process, on behalf of your family, we have recognized that God has our attention, uh, that somehow he's grabbed our hearts by the lapels and got our attention and has, from our discernment process, revealed kind of a, a specific vision that he'd want us to pursue. And so part of today is not only encountering his word and having that change us even slightly, but at the same time, I want, I want to share what that discernment process has revealed as a way of kind of laying that before you as individuals and as Rock Hills Church. Uh, make sense? Um, and I hope to be done by 1-1-15. Is that what, what I understand? Yeah. yeah, pretty close. Okay. Um, so let's, let's begin by encountering his word, okay? Uh, I've got three different passages. Uh, the first one is, is key out of John 15. And Jacques, if you can kind of make that magically appear. Um, he, most, of, most of what we're going to talk about comes right out of his word, okay? John 15, key passage here. <clears throat> Humbling, gripping passage. Uh, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. I mean, for me, that's, that's kind of humbling in itself. Um, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. It's interesting in Greek where he says you're already clean. Those of you who are green thumbers, uh, you recognize that, that plants and bushes that grow, uh, especially with leaves that are close to the ground, uh, oftentimes fall in, onto the ground. And when it's rainy, as you guys really know lately, unfortunately, that sometimes those bottom leaves end up to be covered in mud and down in the dirt. Well, in Greek, what that means where he's already clean is like, it, it's like the gardener has already lifted those, those branches up out of the mud and the dirt and has cleaned them off. Uh, so I don't know if any of you have lived in the mud and the dirt, but I have. But anyway, he says that you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me, Jesus says, and I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So I don't know where any of you are in your walk with God today. But just recognize that if, if your life is to have purpose and blessing to others, you need to be centered in Jesus. 
There is, there is no other source of that kind of blessing. Jesus says, you remain in me. I am the vine, Jesus said. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Bam. For those of you who don't know, that's Greek for amen. <laughs> he says, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Not just an occasional little piece of fruit. Not just an occasional, oh, I did good here kind of thing. But your life will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. That's scary. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. What a major promise. God's wanting to do his best in you. As we remain in him, he says, ask anything and it will be done. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit. Say that just one time. Much fruit. The much fruit of our lives brings glory to God. I mean, come on. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. Next passage. From my observation, this is my deal, so you can take it or leave it. I believe Jesus helps us understand what that much fruit is. Okay? He wants our lives, expects our lives to bear much fruit. The much of helping us understand what, okay, what does much fruit look like? Look in Luke 10. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he's about to go. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And Jesus is brilliant as a speaker. He uses common things around them to communicate deep truth. And so, you know, for me, I'm coming from Nebraska, which is on the border of Iowa. And right now, I'll tell you what, you see a bunch of green and red out in the fields harvesting. It's harvest time. And Jesus, as he looked across the lands, probably saw the same kind of harvest available. But he uses that to talk about the people who don't know Jesus. That's the harvest of which he speaks. He talks about all of the people who don't know, who haven't really yielded their life to God, who wants to do the best in their life. God is that kind of a relational God who wants that personal relationship. And Jesus is looking to the crowds of people who don't yet know him. And he's saying that the harvest is plentiful. I mean, folks, I don't know how many people are right here right now, but I guarantee that there are so many more people who are out there who don't yet know He's saying the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. To me, having people come to a personal relationship with Jesus is much fruit. Eh? I mean, does that make sense? Since the beginning of time, ever since the fall 
God has been working throughout history in order to bring people into a relationship with him. And he blesses us in order that we become that blessing in helping others come to that personal relationship with Jesus. That's what this is all about. And the more that our life reflects him, the more that our life attracts others to a relationship with God, our lives bear much fruit. Yo! That's Hebrew for amen. <laughs> so we got a yo and a bam. Now, here's, here's the deal. This next passage for me is pretty special because it, it, it recognizes here that God is, is calling us to a life that bears much fruit, okay? That he challenges us. And even the, the humbling reality that if we're not in him, we're not bearing fruit. But here's the deal. He calls us to that kind of position, but he's going to provide the results. Takes the pressure off. He's going to provide the results. So let's see this. Out of uh, Luke 9, familiar passage. I love it. Uh, Late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him, the disciples surrounding Jesus, those closest to him. Uh, And the setting of this, by the way, is... uh, Jesus has been speaking in town, and the crowds are getting enormous. Yo, you know, what Jesus is saying is attractive. It's changing lives, so he's attracting crowds. And right now, this is the one of 5,000, and I apologize ahead of time. I mean, it was a very patriarchal time, so they only counted men. But in the crowd, there were probably spouses and children, and the crowd could have been 10,000, 15,000, but they only recorded 5,000 men, but the disciples now are faced with kind of responding to the crowd. So look at their first response. It says, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we're in a remote place. But Jesus said, uh, no, you give them something to eat. Hmm. So they answered, well, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish unless we go and buy more food for all this crowd because there were 5,000 men. But he said to his disciples, okay, so he gave them some instruction, have them sit down in groups of about 50. So the disciples did so, and everyone sat down. And then he basically just asked for what they had, five loaves, two fish. So Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all, we're talking 5,000, 10,000, 15,000, they all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces that were left over. Serious? You got a crowd of people because they're attracted to Jesus. Well, you know, kind of take care of them. Let's send them away. Uh, No, you do. But we don't have, all we have is five loaves, two fish. Hey, not going to do anything. He said, yeah, well, give it to me. He prayed. Everybody was satisfied. And they had leftovers. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who did the crowd say that I am? They replied, well, some say you're John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked who do you say that I am? 
You are God's Messiah. You are the Savior. You are the Son of God. You are the living presence of our eternal Father. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this is the end of the reading and the encountering of his word. But I pray that by the presence of his Holy Spirit, that that word would take root in your heart and my heart and the living of our lives. Amen. Bam. Serious. God expects much fruit. I don't know where you are. And I don't know for you what much fruit looks like. I think much fruit is going to be unique to each of us. I think in your heart, maybe even in your mind, you have sensed God calling and directing and nudging you in one way, shape, or form. And we're pretty good at kind of neglecting those nudges. Um, but God, he just wants to spill his love all over you. Uh, so what does much fruit look for you? Look like for you? Does much fruit look like maybe deepening your relationship with your spouse? And rather than expecting care or attention from them that you now are going to provide that kind of care and attention to them? Or as you live throughout all of the duties and responsibilities of your week, again, a perspective is that God is wanting to bless others through you, totally changing the perspective and allowing your life to become that kind of witness and even the connection you have with people to be that kind of witness to go into the harvest. Anyway, I don't know what that means, okay? Pretty good stuff, though, huh? I mean, so with this kind of as a background, um, again, our family together, the Reformed Church in America, Central Plains Classes, all of those labels don't mean anything, and yet, we're part of a family. Matter of fact, my wife and I, we live in Omaha. Um, we have four kids, 11 grandkids. And all that means is that birthday and Christmas budget kind of goes way up. Uh, but we have a son who lives in San Diego, and he has three daughters. We have a daughter who lives in Seal Beach, California, and she has four sons. We have a daughter who lives in Rockwall, just outside of Dallas, with uh, a boy and a girl. And we have a daughter who lives in the Omaha area with uh, two sons. Our family's great. We're committed to it. We're part of that family. And yet we're separated by all of those miles. But the miles that separate our family doesn't mean any less of a relationship for us. And that's how I perceive Rock Hills. With us, we're part of family. And on behalf of our family, 
again, as I shared, God somehow has just reached through all of the stratosphere and atmosphere and all this stuff and just has our attention. So I want to share with you what we've discerned that direction to be. So let's, we put together a video. Let's see the video and then I'll chat about it in just a minute. We are right in the center of the United States, and we in Central Plains have some of the larger metropolitan areas, so that the opportunity for kingdom growth and kingdom expansion is major. God has made it extraordinarily clear that He is wanting us to be serious about multiplication. There's no question for me. And so we're at a place having the greatest opportunity here in the Central Plains, and yet we're declining. So God is calling us to turn that around. He's asking for our 13 churches to become vital, to become healthy, to become community-focused, kingdom-expanding, disciple-making, making disciples who make disciples, and at the same time to increase the number of our churches and ministries to have more of an impact into our metropolitan areas in the Central Plains. We're at a precipice of change today. Uh, we can either be comfortable and slowly slide into the abyss, or we can get uncomfortable and, uh, and through, through prayer and, and the Holy Spirit stirring us and begin to disciple once again. Because I truly believe we're at a precipice, is if it's not us, who's gonna do it? And, and if it's not now, when? The overall plan for Central Plains classes is to be faithful to God's calling, and that is, in the next seven years, God is calling Central Plains classes to be a classes of 25 ministries. God is calling Central Plains classes to be a classes of 5,000 disciples. Well, Jesus is calling us. He's calling us to multiply his church, to do a kingdom work. We're a small classes. We're only 13 churches, we have few leaders, we have few resources. How could this possibly happen? But our response needs to be the same as the disciples. We need to obey and we need to surrender to Him our resources. And the result? God will do the multiplication miracle. And did you notice the numbers? 5,000 people were fed and our vision, 5,000 disciples to grow the kingdom. And there were 12 baskets of leftovers. We currently have 13 churches, and you add 12, we get 25 ministries by the year 2025. So that reassured me that it's all about God and God doing His work. One of the aspects of multiplication is that many of our churches will have the opportunity to be a parent church. Um, I was part of Westwood Churches. We parented a new church uh, starting in the Omaha area. And um, one of our fears walking in was, will we lose members? Financially, can we support two different churches? I remember looking at the, the budget initially and some people going, oh, this is, a, this is gonna be a challenge. But we never missed the challenge through that. So God not only multiplied the parenting church, but uh, multiplied and, and grew out of a new, a new church start all at the same time. God is a God of multiplication. We just have to align ourselves with that. 
So I would see churches beginning to think in terms of how can they make a better community impact. I would see individual members of our churches beginning to think about their homes as a place of ministry. And how can we impact our neighborhood? How can we use friendships or family relationships as an artery of ministry? And so all of us have to really catch this sense of what God is calling us all to be about, and that is to make disciples, to increase the number of disciples, increase ministries, and at the same time make an impact for who Jesus is. Prayer, I believe, is, is first and foremost, and kind of the organic growth of, of resourcing churches to, to become more effective in discipleship and financially supporting how God would call each person, how they could financially support this vision. I'm not kidding. Um, I really believe, without a doubt, that that this is a God-breathed thing for us. Um, don't have to go into detail about that. Just know that from my heart, I believe this is really a God thing. This isn't something we created. Um, I will share this, that the, the passage... Uh, the Luke 9 passage, the feeding of the 5,000 passage, wasn't something that drove our thinking in discerning this, this vision. There was a group of us, and it started mid-2016, onward, 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 where there was an affirmation of Central Plains leaders saying, you know, we really believe God calling us to multiply for whatever. So we put together a multiplication team, and that's where Steve McNary is a part of that and others Rick and Linda, who were in the video, myself. Um, and out of our time, retreat, prayer, all this, came this vision. God wants 25 ministries, 5,000 disciples. Now, you have to recognize that right now we have 13 ministries. And we have 2,600 disciples or members. So that's literally doubling so it wasn't some kind of human thing, oh, uh, let's double. This was really a discernment process, 25 ministries, 5,000 disciples, okay? So we said, okay. So with fear and trembling, we kind of wrote that down. It was within the next week, and I don't know how many days, it was in the next week that in one of my wife's prayer times that uh, she had an encounter, and like with tears, she goes, Dale, Dale, you're... And I go, what? And it wasn't even the devotion that she was reading, but she said, God impressed upon me this Luke passage of the feeding of the 5,000. And it's like, okay. She goes, well, look at this. I mean, God revealed that he wanted 5,000 disciples in Central Plains, and he wanted 25 ministries with 12 baskets left over. So for her, that was a major thing in her heart. So she called Linda. So here they are sobbing on the phone, as a real affirmation that God was in this. This isn't us. And for us as a classes, <laughs> 13 churches, okay, 
in these four states, you know, four states, 11 of those 13 churches have been declining. And some of those churches have been declining 35% over the last 10 years. So our immediate response was, send them away, as the disciples did. And God's saying, no, you give them something to eat. But it's like, hey, we don't have any resources. And when I say we don't have any resources, we've got $4,000 for multiplication. We've got two churches who can't even support it in any way. I mean, like zero. They need money. God, we don't have the resources. And, well, you got five loaves? (laughs) You got two fish? Boy, there's a couple of fish in one church that I wrote. No, that's a whole other story. And so it's like, okay, this feeding of the 5,000 really became a God-breathed kind of affirmation. He's in this. So I really come here today um, wanting to encounter his word. And, and really, I pray somehow, some way that that encounter of his word shifts our life just a little in whatever way that is for you in this week. But I also, you have one of these. I really, I really, I, I ask for your prayers. And those of us who are praying regularly, I pray all the time, but I pray at 9.13. Set your clocks, your phones, your alarms, 9.13 a.m. or p.m. 9.13 is Luke 9.13. We're praying it. We're praying that God empower this whole multiplication, that more people come to a personal relationship with Jesus through our ministries. Two other things. What does much fruit mean for you? Seriously. If you're connected with Jesus, God's going to do much fruit through your life. What does that look like? It calls for you to pray daily, moment by moment, in order to discern How is God wanting to bring much fruit through my life right now, today, in this minute, in this half hour, in this hour, in this relationship? Please discern how God is wanting to bear much fruit out and through your life. And corporately as Rock Hills. Folks, you've got empty chairs here. God knows the people who he, want, who he wants to come and fill those chairs because he is longing for a personal relationship with people who only you are able to become that spiritual bridge. There's no question. The harvest is plentiful, Jesus said. Pray for the workers to go into the harvest, which means I'm praying for each one of you to be one of those workers in the harvest. And that doesn't mean, I mean, my goodness, that doesn't mean you need to thump the Bible at everybody. Matter of fact, the Bible thumpers for me turned me off. Hey, uh, I'm going to tell you a quick story. In seminary, you got to read volumes and volumes of stuff that's way over my head. So I always sought the smart folks and was in study groups. So I don't have to read maybe a fourth of what I needed to read, and then we'd get together in a study group, and they'd share with, share with me what they learned, which got me through. And I had, we had four kids by the time I was 25, so, you know, uh, anyway, we'd have study groups in my house so I wouldn't have to pay for babysitters. 
So we're sitting around in the dining room. We're having this big theological discussion about the atoning work of Jesus. You know, the substitutionary and propitiation and expiation. And we're into this theological discussion. And there's a knock at my door. God, forgive me for saying this. But anyway, so, so there's a knock at my door. So I get up and go. And the kind of thing, you open the living room door. And then there's this glassed-in porch. And there's a glass door at the end of the thing. And there were three steps outside of the glass door with no landing. So when I open the living room door, there's a guy standing literally right up against the glass of the door. And another gentleman two steps behind him. So, now you have to remember, I'm coming out of this theological thing, so there's this whole cloud in my head. So I go and I open the door, and without saying hello, greeting, or, you know, how are you, or anything like that, this guy said, have you met the Lord? And something kind of twitched. And without hesitation for me, I reached past him to the guy on the, the stair, two stairs behind him. I said, no, but it's a pleasure to meet you. <laughs> I did confess that to God and God forgiveness. But those, the in your face, there is a way that God's going to use that to bring people into a relationship with him. But that those, for me, that's more of a turnoff and that's my problem. It's out of the, the normal living relationship that you have with others where you are able to share the way that God's love has changed your life to bring them into that relationship. And with that kind of perspective in everything we do, God is able to do his miracle. The results are not up to us. He's responsible for that. Let me, let me share one other story, one other thing that's impacted me. Uh, <clears throat> this is a big deal. Uh, one of the deals that we did, uh, this was out of my home church. Uh, we would get together uh, as a group of people, whatever, and we would be given names of people who had visited our church. And kind of two by two, we would get their names and addresses, and we would go to their homes. And at this time, it was shortly before Christmas. Uh, so, and the whole objective was to just say Jesus loves you. I mean, not to have coffee or whatever, just Jesus loves you. And so we were given little gifts to hand out. So we go do this, get to the church, get our names. We all do our thing, and then we come back. And, of course, you got to have hot cocoa and cookies. And, you know, you got to do your Christian kind of eating thing. And so as we're, we're back after that evening, George shared something that was pretty odd. So he goes, yeah, he goes, I had the name of this one lady, Rethel, and so he says, we went up, and it was kind of a back stairs entrance to kind of a whole set of apartments above this people's desk exchange. So I said, I went up there, and he says, I knocked on the door. And he goes, I could hear some rustling and stuff inside. He said, but, you know, I looked, and I couldn't see anything through the, the door. And so I thought that was strange. It's kind of like, okay, if I'm here and I hear somebody, I'm going to. So he knocked again. And again, some rustling, heard some noise, and and nobody answered, so he even looked to the side window over here and couldn't see anything through the window. And he goes, well, I'll try. So he knocked again, he knocked a third time, and he said, uh, after that, he goes, the door opened just a little bit, and there was just this little lady standing there. And he said, all I said was, Jesus loves you, and offered this gift, and it was a wrapped little box of pretzels. And he said, Jesus loves you, and he said, you know, she reached out, took the box, and closed the door immediately. So that was pretty odd. 
Uh, so now, jump with me just before Easter of that next spring. And we were gathered with people who were joining the church, making confession of faith and joining the church. And it came to Rethel, uh, and she started crying. And uh, the pastor kind of encouraged her and, and uh, said, you know, share your story. And, and she said, I owe my life to this church. And, and as she continued on, she shared that it was before Christmas that she lost her job. She was a single mom with two kids. And she said, I, I could not at all in my mind put together how I was going to make this work. I was behind in rent, behind in utilities. I couldn't make any payments. I didn't know how I was going to provide food for my kids. She goes, I didn't see any way out except, she said, that I would take my own life and the lives of my kids. And so she planned it out and she did it. She, uh, she actually taped the little drapes, curtains around her door and windows and got her kids into the kitchen. And she says, I turned on the gas of my stove. And she said, and there was a knock at my door. She said, I didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to deal with it. And she said, then the knock came again. And she, and she says, somehow, someway, God just told me, just open the door. And she says, I went over after the third. And she goes, I opened the door. And she goes, there was George. <laughs> and all he said was that Jesus loved me. And she says, it changed my whole life. Matter of fact, it gave me my life. I mean, serious? <laughs> How many of those kind of harvesting, bearing much fruit moments do we miss because we're more concerned about our own stuff? Hey? God help us. Forgive us. But we desire, we desire a vital relationship with Jesus in our own lives. We've struggled so much with our own thinking and our own struggles. We have looked for those around us to be our support, to listen to us, to care for us, to surround us. But gracious God, your word, the encounter with your word in these moments begins to change that perspective. Because we, out of a, a real relationship with you, we desire now to be present to those around us, even those closest to us, our spouses, our kids, our parents, our neighbors, our work. We desire now to become present to them for the sake of your kingdom. Because God, out of our relationship with you, we desire that our lives bear much fruit. But we pray in the name of Jesus.